VegCast. June 14th, 2007. VegCast. That's when I had hoped to have VegCast 26 done by... VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. But I hit a snag, and so this VegCast will be instead coming out... On June 18th, the situation is I'm trying to get more uh, server space in my hosting plan for VegCast.com, where all of the uh, podcasts are stored and have not gotten that to go through in time to get this up, but I do want to get this one out. And so what I'm going to do is just leave off our musical selection for this one VegCast. I'm sorry to those of you who... Subscribe to VegCast just to hear the musical selections from different vegetarian artists that we uh, provide on each podcast. We're going to skip that this time and just have instead an interview with Pamela Rice of Viva Veggie. Uh, You may know her as the author of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. We're going to talk to her about her activism and specifically about a little campaign she did targeting Al Gore. Uh, And then we will go straight from that right into the science fact, uh, which on this podcast has to do with dogs and their problem-solving capabilities, their ability to reason and to infer, which may be uh, even greater than humans, as we'll hear. So uh, that's going to be this VegCast, and that's all coming up. So just sit back, sit tight, relax, listen to... All right, so just in case I did not make the point clear enough, the idea is to keep this file small enough that it will actually fit in the remaining space that I have on the server. So without further ado, let's just skip any preliminaries and go straight into the interview with Pamela Rice. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are talking with Pamela Rice of Viva Veggie, uh, who many people may be familiar with even if they don't realize it as the originator of Penelope Pod. Uh, Pamela, you are, I, I should be sure I check my facts here, you are the originator of Penelope Pod, is that right? Uh, well, I didn't make her. Well, uh, right. A costume designer here in New York City did. I run a nonprofit uh, vegetarian society, Viva Veggie Society, as you mentioned. Right. Uh, which, by the way, is most well-known for its pamphlet, 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian, which well, wrote back that. in 1991. That's really our probably our biggest claim to fame. In fact, people, uh, yes, they may not know my name, but they have heard of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. We, uh, I've, been, uh, I've made about uh, seven editions of it, uh, and about 200,000 copies have been distri- distributed. Uh, and we do street uh, advocacy, and here in New York City, you can meet, you can reach a lot of people quickly, and get vegetarian, pro, very pro vegetarian literature. We call it the mighty convincer, the hundred one reasons, mm-hmm. uh, into a lot of people's hands very, very quickly. You know, you just walk out the door, more or less, and uh, you're, you're reaching you know many, many people sometimes. Uh, so uh, we use Panello Peapod, which is a seven-foot-tall uh, flaming green. I don't know if that's a color, but very bright chartreuse green uh, human peapod. 
And it was, like I say, designed by a costume designer here. It was donated to Viva Veggie, which is a nonprofit organization. And basically, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the effectiveness of 101 Reasons, which is pros, but at the same time, uh, a lot of the time just to get people to stop or to get uh, people to even cross the street and say, what the hell is going on over there? Right. You have this I, very eye-catching... I are uh, dazzled by Penelope Pod. It's, uh, so they come over and then the activists are kind of uh, lurking. I That's not a very good word to use. But we're, we're in the very immediate vicinity. Right. And uh, while mothers are with children, uh, we make a point of trying to get a copy of 101 Reasons into uh, his or her hands, uh, whoever has the kids. And well, You don't have to be a kid to enjoy uh, Hunter, uh, the Penelope Pod. So the, the 101 Reasons, it's... Um, its virtue is in its sound by quality. You have these, uh, you know, I get to the point very quickly about uh, as many issues as I possibly can about vegetarianism, and they're all trying to get you to uh, examine meat uh, and examine your diet and uh, think about what you're doing. Uh, it's an informational uh, publication. It's inspiring. There are many people with sponsorship boxes, uh, Many of the main vegetarian organizations, vegan and vegetarian organizations, have sponsorship boxes. So there's and, and, and lots of businesses have have boxes also. So there's lots of resources for people to go to. Uh, the Hundred One Reasons is given to people uh, often. This could very well be their first uh, exposure to anyone who is a vegan or a vegetarian. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a nice thing. It's very comprehensive. Uh, I realized a long time ago that if you only know a, one or two of the reasons to go vegetarian, it often isn't enough. You need to hammer people over the head. And so I, 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 uh, I give them 101. Right. And uh, I guess if, uh, if people aren't persuaded by the ethical or moral uh, issues surrounding animals. One key reason uh, nowadays, uh, since December, is that uh, the UN or the uh, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN has uh, come out with a definitive study uh, showing that uh, livestock is actually the uh, chief factor in uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and you have kind of taken that up and made that a, a centerpiece of your your latest campaign, which is trying to get Mr. Global Warming himself uh, to pay attention to this issue. Can you can you talk about that a little? Sure. Uh, what, what was the startling thing that the food and agriculture came out with was that that livestock create more global warming gases than than all the world's vehicles. All the world's livestock is <clears throat> uh, something like thirty five percent more global warming gases and all the world's, world's vehicles, and everybody knows right. vehicles, are, are a main cause, cause of global warming. I, I think home heating possibly is the biggest uh, cause, but, okay. but, um, but that's, a, that's a big fact, and uh, Gore has avoided this idea uh, of publicizing this information, almost, you know, like the plague, as they say. 
and uh, and and we think this is a real big problem. I mean, uh, uh, there's a, a uh, an interview with Al Gore, a, a, a YouTube interview that that we've posted to our website, the Viva Veggie website, and that's uh, vivaveggie.org with one G, vivaveggie.org. Uh, and if you click around, uh, you can uh, find this video. And this interviewer is pressing Mr. Gore uh, in in the nicest way. He just seems like the most pleasant person. But he wouldn't let up. He says, you know, he's basically saying, Mr. Gore, what can individuals do? What can individuals do? He keeps almost repeating the question over and over. He just wants to know. He wants people to know. And Al Gore just was sidestepping that that so much, and then finally we hear at the end, uh, change your light bulbs. And that's important. <laughs> it's all important. But, you know, if you... Uh, uh, actually, the Union of Concerned Scientists, oh, geez, Asia, you know, quite a few years ago, maybe about six, seven, eight years ago, came out with a book where they examined where is, what can individuals do. When they came up with the, the top two were eating beef and chicken was, uh, well, driving your car was one number one, they said, and, and eating beef and chicken were number two. These were the two uh, activities that people do that if, if you refrain from them, you could do more for the environment than anything else. And recycling wasn't even on the top six Top number six, six items. And now, now we would have to reverse those one and two. I mean, if we're going to listen to the uh, to the Food and Agriculture Organization. Good but, point. Good point. But, uh, so, so you know, we. Uh, I even spoke with one of the the, the uh, research, the main top researchers at the Union of Concerned Scientists when that first came out, and uh, you know, it, it, their 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 science seemed to be a little uh, bit. Shaky. Uh, it was it had a lot of holes in it. I felt at the time, but but still, that's what they came up with. Um, so, but the right. Food and Agriculture Organization, they're they're huge. Um, they're getting statistics from all all over the world, from every country. They have the most comprehensive. They're, that's what they're set up to do: to look at the whole world in a big in the big picture. Right. And so uh, now, since Al Gore has been uh, kind of sidestepping this and failing to, you know, even make this part of his case, I mean, obviously nobody's going to go without heating their home, uh, but something that is actually completely unnecessary, such as the consumption of animal products, uh, he he won't even seemingly work this into the overall message. It's like one a uh, little uh, sentence or so in the book and not even in the movie. So right. what what has been your uh, your response on the street, so to speak? So what we did was uh, I got an email from somewhere that Al Gore was going to be doing a book signing at a Barnes & Noble, uh, which is uh, just on the uh, kitty corner across from uh, Union Square Park here. Here, uh, Viva Veggie has a small office on Union Square Park in New York. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, my God, you know, bells are going off here for me. And I said, wow, we should just be out there with some signs. I don't know what's going to happen, but we should be out there. I don't care, you know. So so we did it. We took some photographs. We, we took a, a one-minute video. We posted it to a, to the, the our, our website, again, vivaveggie.org1g. And uh, uh, you can see us with our signs, and 
and we, we're just questioning, you know, come on, Al Gore, we want to hear it from you. We want to hear from you that, 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 uh, that uh, eating animal-based food is a big, big part of this, this picture, and you need to tell, you need to point it out, you need to say it. So uh, we, we got, I'll have to say that the reactions of people on the street, uh, it, was, it was just clueless all over the place, I, I have to tell you. <laughs> And uh, that is that's that's interesting to know too, and 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 I feel like thank you Al Gore. You know, uh, if you were talking about this, there would you know everybody would be a buzz about it. And uh, but and I got resistance from vegetarians also. Uh, they said don't pick on Al Gore. He's all we got. Right. You know, and he has a chance perhaps of getting uh, uh, picked for the nomination, and he could win again <laughs> right. uh, and get in Maybe more and decisive to the presidency. Maybe. At least we get, you know, he has a good chance against the Republicans. So uh, I, I got flagged from uh, various places. On the other hand, there were people who came out for this uh, who don't come out for other things. There was a lot of passion from the people who did come out for this. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Schwartz, who some people know, uh, and uh, was a vegan advocate for, oh, forever. Right, we've had him on VegCast. I bet you, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, he's wonderful. So he came out, he's, you know, he's very interested in the environmental impact of meat diet, as am I. So I think he and I are going to work on other things in, in the future. Okay. Well, let's uh, just turn to some of those. I, I, we were talking before uh, we started recording, and you mentioned something about a veggie pride parade that may be in the works there in New York. Oh, yeah. it, that's the big uh, uh, word there is may. Okay. Hey, in fact, in two ways. Uh, it's going to be in May. <laughs> the veggie pride parade, uh, there is such a thing, and it uh, has been going on for the last six years. Uh, in in Paris, this is a, a, a Paris wow. original, and uh, which seems odd, you know, the home of heavy cream, so to speak, right. uh, has a veggie pride parade every year in May, and New York City may have a veggie <laughs> pride parade okay. next year. If uh, Roberta Schiff, she and I in particular, are have teamed up. And uh, we're going to have a meeting soon, and and uh, uh, somebody who I know uh, says that she knows uh, Paul McCartney's cousin, who may come to our next meeting. This is all May. I, I, don't, I shouldn't even talk about this because uh, who knows? But okay. but we might have some big names that will get behind a veggie pride parade in New York City and Paris. The way they do it is they just uh, they have a lot of signs and costumes and they parade down the street and say, you know, let's let's go veg. Okay. Well, uh, we're just about out of time here, but I wanted to check in uh, in case you have any uh, speaking engagements, appearances, and so forth. Am I going to see you this summer at Vegetarian Summerfest? You are, Vance. Okay. Any others that uh, we should uh, tip off our listeners to? I'll be speaking at uh, Jiva Mukti uh, in uh, at the Yoga Center here in New York City on uh, Broadway uh, near 13th Street. Mm -hmm. uh, oh boy, what was it? August 19th. Okay. I believe it is. Uh oh, you'll have to check my website. <laughs> uh, but definitely go to vivaveggie.org. You can click around. You can join our email list and be uh, you know 
be aware of, of all, all kinds of things. We're, we're about activism. We, uh, Viva Veggie believes that it's not good enough to just be a vegetarian. Right. It's, that, that is something that uh, maybe a few more people out there, I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, doing more and more shows with, with activists, it seems, lately. Uh, and it, it, it is coming home that, uh, I mean, it is important, the activism that you, that you embody in every meal is certainly a crucial, of crucial importance, but it's not really enough if you actually want to see change. Yes, and, uh, you know, you, there's a, a new movie out called Our Daily Bread, and uh, it, is a, it is a visual, very graphic image of how food is produced in the, you know, in, uh-huh. particularly in the industrial world, the industrial world, and it is a very mechanized thing. You're talking about a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of everything, you know. Uh-huh. Lots of animals, lots of cruelty, lots of suffering, lots of lots of pollution, lots of everything. It's just big, big, big. And that that movie hammers at home. You want to really see what industrial agriculture is about. That's it. All right. But uh, on the flip side, big, big uh, reasons and big, big commitment and big, uh, big flashy uh, seven-foot-tall human Peapods. So uh, we got to give you your props for what you're doing out there. And Pamela Rice of Viva Veggie, <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to join us on VegCast. I just love it. Thanks, Vance. All right. Looking forward to seeing you this uh, next month. Yeah, it is next month. All right, I'll see Take you Take care. Then. All right, thanks. Bye. Science. In this edition of Science Fact, dogs, it turns out, Think more than we think they do, is the headline on a study that uh, looked at dogs' imitative behavior. I'll read from the lead. New research is adding to the growing evidence that man's best friend thinks a lot more than many humans have believed. Dogs can do something that previously only humans have been shown capable of doing, deciding how to imitate a behavior based on the specific circumstances in which the action takes place. Now, I will, of course, have a little bit of commentary on the way this is covered, but I should point out that there is some context provided, uh, not quite enough, but context that says the findings come amid a flurry of research that is revealing surprisingly complex abilities among dogs, chimps, birds, and other animals, long dismissed as having little intellectual or emotional life. Uh, Mark Beekoff, an animal behaviorist, uh, says, Every day we're discovering surprises about animals and finding out animals are far more intelligent and far more emotional than we previously thought. So that's context that you usually don't get from these uh, stunning, surprising study stories. They're usually focused on just one thing, but at least this is giving a little bit of context. Uh, but let's see the particulars of the study. A research team led by Friedrika Range of the University of Virginia trained a female border collie named Guinness to push a wooden rod with her paw to get a treat. A dog generally does not use its paws to do tasks, preferring to use its mouth whenever possible. So they had a control group of 14 dogs uh, when, who did not watch Guinness. When taught how to use the rod, about 85% pushed it with their mouths, confirming that is what dogs naturally prefer. The 21 dogs in the second group watched Guinness repeatedly push the rod with her paw while holding a ball in her mouth. 
about 80% of those dogs used their mouths anyway, so they imitated the action, but not the exact method that Guinness had used, which was using her paw. That suggested the dogs decided Guinness was using her paw only because she had no choice. The third group's 19 dogs watched Guinness repeatedly use a paw on the rod with her mouth free. Most of those dogs, 83%, imitated her behavior exactly using their paws and not their mouths. That suggested they concluded there must be some good reason to act against their instincts and do it like Guinness. Uh, Sofia Virani of Eltvos University in Budapest, who helped conduct the experiment, said that whether they imitate or not depends on the context. It's not automatic, insightless copying. It's more sophisticated. There's a kind of inferential process going on. Note that term, an inferential process. Uh, The article concludes with uh, kind of the usual boilerplate, the findings stunned many researchers. What's surprising and shocking about this is that we thought this sort of imitation was very sophisticated, something seen only in humans, said Brian Hare, who studies dogs at Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in German. And it uh, concludes the experiment, hints that dogs can put themselves inside the head of another dog and perhaps people to make relatively complex decisions. And, of course, the irony uh, of the dogs having this inferential process of being able to put themselves inside the head of another dog or perhaps people is that people generally seem unable to put themselves inside the head of a dog or other animals, uh, instead preferring to believe that inside the head of a dog or another animal there is simply machinery that is causing these animals to act strictly on instinct and thus we should have no qualms about abusing, exploiting, uh, and killing them and for whatever purposes we want. So in some senses it looks like dogs and perhaps other animals may be smarter than humans. A bizarre conclusion that can only be drawn when you examine the science fact. Let's hear that ending theme. Okay, that's going to do it for this VegCast, but we will be back again in June with another VegCast with an even fuller menu as we have more server space. And I just wanted to mention that this interview with Pamela Rice was spurred by a conversation with Joan Zacharias, who's turning into the Svengali of VegCast, although she refuses to appear on the show. She suggested that when she and a bunch of people from the Tampa Bay Vegetarian Society uh, took me out to eat in St. Petersburg at a restaurant called Manja. Uh, it's on Cory Avenue. You might want to check it out. Uh, it's not a vegetarian restaurant, but they have a great uh, selection of vegan food there. And uh, that's going to do it for this one. So all that's left is for me to tell you to get out there and live like you mean it. Veg-cast.